Well, welcome to The Journey. Um, I am Kevin Polkey, and I am the host of The Journey. And um, as many of you uh, may know, we have uh, we have the opportunity to have guests uh, come on to The Journey and really just come in and share where they're at regarding their own story, um, where that in the midst of them walking their own life and the walking their own journey, how there's been uh, uh, different uh, twists and turns. And as they faced obstacles, obstacles, what have they done um, to to work through those obstacles, and then most importantly, what they learn from that. And today we have uh, someone that I've known for a long time, and he has been a previous guest on the journey uh, a little over a year ago, I think it was, um, or roughly about a year ago, he was on uh, the journey, but uh, Brigham Wyrock. And so welcome back uh, to the journey and uh, look forward to having you uh, here and uh, have some conversation, uh, get us caught up to what you're doing. So welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be back. I'm excited to to chat. It's It's been a crazy year, um, to say the least. So there's a lot of different things that I'm excited to touch on and, and chat with you about and uh, kind of catch everybody up on on where we're at now with with the happenings and comings and goings of, of what ha- life has, has offered out for us. So Perfect. Well, why don't you just for us, any new listeners and anybody that may not have listened to the first episode, why don't you uh, why don't you kind of just tell us a little bit about you and 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 what is what is what does Brigham do when you have when you have an opportunity to have fun? You work a lot, but when you have the opportunity to have fun, what do you what do you what do you do for fun? Sure. So, um, just a little bit about me first. So, um, my name is Berg Marrock. I grew up in Rockford, Illinois. I lived there for 18 years until I went to college in La Crosse, Wisconsin, for five years. And now I live in Montana. Um, my DJing career, which is my full time job, has taken me out here, and I do a lot of special events, specialized in open format DJing. So, weddings, sporting events, clubs, bars, a little bit of everything. Um, and since when COVID started, um kind of stopped my business a little bit. I started a beard oil company. So I was making my own beard oil for a while. And now we're about two and a half years in business since we started. And so between those two things, um, I'm fully employed by myself, if you will. So I'm an entrepreneur and um, own these two businesses. And as far as what I do for fun in the winter right now, I snowboard as much as I physically can handle. So I work, I do work part-time at the ski hill here in Missoula, Montana as my, um, a little bit of me giving back to the snowboard industry because I love it so much and it's been a huge part of my life. So I do that as much as I can. And in the summers and in warmer weather times, I try to, I love watching live music, camping, and I'm driving my Jeep around in the mountains with my pups and my lady friend. So anything outside, honestly, I just love to be outdoors and experience everything that this amazing world has to offer as much as possible. So Perfect. And and so what are you what are you doing at the ski resort right now? Are you you're instructing or what are, what are you doing there? No, so I'm actually a lift operator. So I'm that lovely face that you get to see every time you get on a chairlift. So I'm bumping chairs, so I'm standing out in the cold quite a bit. Um, <laughs> but honestly, I do love it. It's we get a chance to spread extreme positivity and good vibes throughout the mountain, which is awesome. And you know, nine times out of ten everybody who's on the mountain who's who's shredding and having a good time is there because they enjoy it just as much as you do and everybody's loving their time that they get to spend because not as many people are as as fortunate as i am to do it on a daily basis so um it is a lot of fun there's a lot of good vibes and positivity like i mentioned so it, it is fun to see the smiles and interact with people and force yourself really to be outside even though it's you know 
15 degrees and <laughs> the wind chills below zero, but that's just sure. how it is. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, and I think that, you know, it, you know, the, the idea of working a ski hill, right. For the most part, I would, I would think that the people are there um, want to be there. Right. And this is some, exactly. this is an activity that they, the, 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 either they are uh, initiating um, or this is something that they've been doing for a while. And, and so it's, it, it's probably super incur super uh, important that the, the, the people that are working there are positive because obviously, uh, and, you know, we talk a lot about resiliency, you know, on, on this particular show, obviously snowboarding is part falling is part of the process. Right. I mean, and, right. and, and that similar to, you know, similar to skateboarding uh, it, it is, it, it's a different element that that falling isn't bad i mean obviously it could lead to injury and and but it isn't necessarily bad um where where i think of like other other types of sports or activities that if you if you fall right that that somehow that is a reflection on you know like in football if you throw an interception that's a reflection on uh how you know there's a lot of variables that may play into it, but if you throw an interception or you fumble the ball, those are some definite things that, okay, what's wrong? What, what happened? And, or, right. or miss a field goal or, or an extra point or, or something like that. That's more of a reflection on ability where snowboarding and skateboarding, obviously that's part of the learning process. So maybe talk a little bit about that. I know you're you're in a different spot now than a beginner, but where talk talk to us a little bit about that as you're encouraging people on the hill. Sure. So it's it's a great um, comparison right now, actually, because my girlfriend Allie is is learning how to ski. So she started out with snowboarding for two years, and it was just a little too difficult um, for her to kind of grasp. So she kind of went over to skiing just to to make that pivot because she really loved being on the mountain and really loved the idea of being outside and being active. She's a personal trainer, so she wanted to be able to find something in the winter that she could do outside of the gym that's still great for physical and mental health. So it's been cool to see her grow and learn with that. So as far as like, you know, just positively encouraging people and just knowing that when they fall, it's not, it's not the end of the world. So for a perfect example, actually yesterday I was up there and I had a kid and his father who got on the chair and the kid got drug underneath the chair because he didn't get on correctly. He fell straight to the ground and immediately just started crying. And the dad is still on the chair, just a few, like a few feet up, up in the air. So he couldn't get down. And it, you know, that is when I get to step in and encourage this kid that he's going to be okay, that he's going to get up and that we're going to help him get on the chair correctly. And he's going to get up the mountain just fine, even though his dad's not on the same chair. So and that's something, I mean, being on the mountain is something that I've been doing since I was two years old. I, I've got pictures of my mom holding me in a, um, a satchel, if you will, on top of Steamboat Mountain in Colorado. So, <clears throat> excuse me, it's something that I've learned from the very beginning to love and to know. And I've for sure had my fair share of falls and injuries. But just like anything in life, when, when you fall, instead of looking at it as a failure, um, you, you can look at as learning opportunity. Okay. So when I made this turn, what did I do wrong? Or like, what can I do better to, to make sure that when I get put in this situation again, or a similar situation to look at it differently, approach it differently so that the outcome is more of what I want instead of what the world has thrown at me for lack of better words. So it is fun. And I, I do love kids, 
um, and being a part of this part of their life because I don't have to take them home with me, <laughs> but <laughs> I get to be in a very significant, you know, learning portion of what they're, you know, these are moments for some of these kids lives that will shape the way that they think about this this action sport, this outdoor adventure. And, you know, I've, it's cool because this is my fourth year working there and I've seen some of the kids now go from four-year-olds to eight-year-olds and I was picking up, picking them up and putting them on the chair and now they're doing it by themselves and they're without their parents and having a great time. So it's cool to see the progression and get to feel like I get to be a part of that um, now that I've already gone through a similar progression, if you will. Sure, sure. Well, and we talk about this all the time. I mean, the idea that that sport and art really are kind of like a metaphor for life. You know, it's 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 the, the experiential aspect of uh, of learning through doing versus just learning through uh, reading or learning through listening to a lecture or, or or something like that. And I know for me, I've I've only skied a couple times, and and I've never snowboard or not not very well let's put it that way and uh and um and i i remember the aspect of you know the the aspect of intimidation the aspect of being an adult and and taking on that endeavor versus things that i had done since i was real young similar to yourself where there's a lot less intimidation regarding that there may be a new exercise there may be a new activity but you know, you, you have a base of familiarity where a new activity, like for me, downhill skiing or snowboarding, they're totally out of my comfort zone or my familiar. And, and it's different than any other type of, uh, of activity. And, uh, right. so, so I think there's a, like you said, there's a huge element of, uh, of someone, the, the more, or how's that, the, the bigger the obstacle that the person has regarding that particular activity, the greater the opportunity for, uh, transformation, uh, for them to see themselves differently. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great point. And it, that can be seen, you know, not only in obviously action sports, but I feel the same way about, you know, the beard oil company and the, the, my DJing career is, especially with the beard oil company, because it's a lot more fresh. You know, I've been DJing now for 10 years in the special event space. And so I've, I've had my chance to learn and still am learning and choose to do that. But as far as the beard oil space, you know, we were kind of talking about this before we started recording, but you know, we're, it, it's more of a product, right? So it, it, as opposed to being a service I had to learn a lot about being a product company, selling a product. However, I would argue that, you know, in the DJing world, like I am the product, like me, myself, being the DJ, being the service is the product, which is, you know, more of a tangible way to look at it. But as far as just being a retail business, I just, there was so much to learn. And if I chose to take a lot of the hurdles and just let them beat me down, I don't think my business would be as successful as it is today. But instead, each opportunity that arose, I wanted to be like, okay, you know, let's learn from this. You know, how can we do better the next time? For example, this past year was the first year that we really dove into in-person markets. So because we started during COVID, a lot of the farmers markets and events that were happening with, you know, gatherings and things like that were a little bit different. And so we wanted to make sure that we had our product line and a few other things dialed in before we started to dive into these markets anyway. So it worked out. So this past summer, we were at the farmers market every week. And then we were doing some of these holiday handmade markets, which Montana does a really good job of promoting local handmade businesses. It's, it's such a great community to be a part of so 
after each market, you know, I have my business partner and roommate, Jake, he runs those for me. And we, you know, we would sit down and we talk to like, okay, what can we do better? You know, how can we sell better? How can we provide a better product for people? What are people asking for? What are the people or what are the products that people are looking for that we don't have? So throughout the year, we're continuing to learn instead of me being, you know, like, well, just because they want that. I don't think we should do that. You know, I, this is what I want to do with my products. And I, that's not the approach that I took at all. I, you know, we're a product for our customers in a way that, Hey, if you DM me on Instagram that you want X, Y, and Z scent or X, Y, and Z product. And then I see that similar, you know, trend with some other uh, customers, then I'm going to listen and then we'll try that out. And that's how a lot of our products have actually come out now um, is to, you know, give back to the customer, if you will. So, sure. well, and I think that, and I, it, I can't even tell you when, but that is a, early on. I learned that same type of thing is that when, when you're listening to your, your customer and, and you hear what they're saying and you're able to decide, am I going to be able to respond to that with, without um, diluting the core the core product that we're doing or the core service that we're offering um that may very well be something that is you know the the new adventure aspect of it right, right. And so and i think i what one of the things i remember you you know you using because i used the beard oil and i saw that you went and did uh body uh so body oils which would probably right. be a natural thing that came from that because i know for me when i use the beard oil i I just use the excess on my hands, excess on the palms of my hands, on the top of my hands. Um, right. And, and so I was doing that even before I bought the beard oil uh, or the the body oil um, aspect of it, just because it just seemed to make sense. Right. And, right. Um, you know, I had to go somewhere. And um, and so that and so I imagine that would be an element. Tell us a little bit about <clears throat> And, and I'll, I want to also ask you about the sense and how you came up with the sense, but tell us a little bit about some of those adventures where, uh, w- with the beard oil, where it, you know, went one way and, and either was more successful than you thought, or you wanted to push something, but it hasn't gotten, it, it didn't go to that next level of, of production. Sure. I mean, the body oil is, is a great example. Um, so we do beard oils, beard balms, body oils, and now lip balms as well. And so a big thing with the body oil is it's not something that I ever like potentially really wanted to do, but also just something that I never really thought of. And because we do have a large non-bearded customer base, we had people asking us for a product that wasn't, you know, beard centered, which I tell people all the time, the beard oil, the only reason that it is beard oil is just kind of the marketing behind it. Like these oils are are natural oils that you find in nature that are just naturally good for your skin. So we just altered essentially the blend to kind of curate it more towards the skin. And it's been, it's been a great hit for a lot of people that, you know, come up to our stand and like, Oh, well, I don't have a beard, so I can't use any of this. I'm like, well, we have this whole product line that's based on your skin and keeping your skin healthy. So that's been super awesome. Um, see, I'm trying to think of one that didn't really go so well. I mean, we've tried all sorts of different stuff between like seasonal scents that sometimes just don't sell as much as we want to. But for me, even if something doesn't go necessarily quote unquote as planned, um, I just love almost the adventure in the idea of creating new products. So for example, I mean, one that I don't even want to call it a flop because it's still 
I thought it still was awesome. We came out with this comb and bottle holster is what we call it. So your a comb fits in there and two bottles sit inside it. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. No beard oil company has ever come out with anything like this. They were handmade by Wild Husky Leather, which is actually based out of Rockford, Illinois. And they were super cool. We had them laser engraved and all that stuff. And we sold like four of them. I, mm. I had like 50 of them made and we sold like four of them. But, you know, in that moment, I was kind of fulfilling an itch that I had because I was like, I want to do this. I think this is super cool. And then it was a kind of a humble realization that just because I want something doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else does. But in the same light, I was still happy that we did that because I still want to push boundaries. I still want to try things that I haven't seen other people doing. So, for example, I actually had a meeting with a guy today, and this will be a little bit of a sneak peek for anybody who listens to this. But we have a collaboration coming with um, a candle company. So we're actually going to take some of our beard oil scents and have them made into all natural soy candles by a company here in Montana. That's a local handmade guy. And so this is something that also could flop, you know, right. It's something that I have no idea. Nobody's asked me to do it, but it's something that we do want to just try. Cause I think it's cool. People love these scents so much. We get so many uh, females or significant others of bearded people that are like, Oh, I love when, you know, my man smells like this. I love when, you know, X, Y, and Z smells like this. So we're going to try to um, make a product that you can take that smell beyond the beard and into your home to kind of just continue because there is a lot of, and this is a whole rabbit trail, but like there's a lot of um, science behind just the activation of smell and what it can Mm -hmm. do for your, for your memory and for, you know, your emotions. And I'm sure you, you know, this, you know, in the therapy world, there's just, there's so many triggers, whether good or bad of things for people. So it's like, we want to try to tap into a new scent or a, a new sensory type of place where you can actually have the smell in your home instead of every time you get close to somebody that's wearing beard oil, that's the only time you get to smell it type of thing. So. Sure. Sure. No, I, I definitely, I mean, speaking of that, when I first opened up KP, I had already kind of played around with it a little bit before when I was working for a psychiatrist, but one of the elements, if you go to any of the specific KP offices, the intent is, is that it's all about basing a counseling experience and that when you come in, the colors are going to be a certain way. They're, you know, earth tone colors. Um, and there's going to be a certain music that's going to be playing in the background with no words. And there's going to be smells. And because the idea behind it is that the goal is, is for it to be a good counseling experience. And then when you smell or hear or see something that will trigger a, a trigger uh, a memory of hope of of possibility then you know connected with that smell and so um or or it could be uh it could be a sound or it could be you know a a visual and so uh very similar to when Howard Schultz originally started uh, Starbucks based upon the um the coffee bars that were in Europe he attempted to do the same thing and that's where I was already thinking that way or doing it in just my own little office. But when I studied Schultz's Starbucks experience, um, it was, it, it validated or had words for what I was uh, thinking. So it's everything that you just talked about. The idea of uh, that triggers can be as much affirming and positive as they can be uh, triggering someone to go down a rabbit hole. So. Right. Exactly. I totally agree. And it's, it's been cool to get a lot of feedback from customers and 
you know, significant others or friends of people who use our products to, to hear what those triggers may be. You know, a trigger sometimes can just sound like such a negative word, but just like you said, it, it can be a very positive thing. It's just more or less the, the initiation of a feeling. So it's been cool to hear people say, you know, they'll pick up a beard and be like, this is what every man should smell like is what I've heard a, a couple of females say, or like, this is every time a man wears this, I can't get in. I can't get away from him. Like this is, you know, this is something which is really cool um, to hear and to, to see because from where we've gone as a company, you know, in the beginning, it was so small. We started with four oils and stickers as, you know, when we first talked, that's kind of all we were selling. And now we have over 35 different products that we sell on our website. So it's been really cool to expand that and hear the way that people respond to it. And um, I mean, some of the, I love the in-person markets because that's when we get this in-person interaction and a lot of face-to-face because there's only so much you can do through an internet transaction. So, I mean, some of our holiday markets, we have people that are coming up like, we only came here for you. Like we came here just for your products because I just ran out. And that to me will will never get old. That's something that's truly just warms my heart and makes me feel good about everything that we've done and the hard work that's been put into to building this brand and this company. And I mean, it's the same feelings I get at after DJing weddings and special events and having people come up to me and give me a hug and just and thank me. I did an event um, the day before yesterday that was in remembrance of a skier who passed away. And so we did a rail jam at a mountain about an hour south of where I live. And at the end of the event, I had the family come up to me and give me a great big hug and got to play some of the music that their kid loved to listen to while he snowboarded. So we really got to kind of tie those feelings together of the music and, and the mountain stuff. So it was really just a special experience to to be able to share that moment with them. And they felt that what I did represented their kid correctly in a way that made everybody feel good about being there together to celebrate his life and remember him in a cool way. So, yeah, no. And, and it's interesting that we, you know, kind of, kind of talking about the DJ piece, right? So music obviously is a huge, has huge opportunities and implementation of that, of that trigger. And, and I imagine you see this all the time at, at events or specifically like weddings. If, if a certain song, yeah, no one's going to the dance floor, but then all of a sudden, that song for that particular group of people and then everyone probably gets up and starts you know starts going to the dance floor and um and i you know i was just talking to someone about you know i I was born in the late 60s and uh, you know obviously heavily influenced by the music of the 70s and then high school years was the 80s and it ironically like during a during the in-between plays at a football game or a basketball game or something like it's it's all like 80s music and it's like it's such an interesting in my mind i'm thinking that's such an interesting thing that that particular time period uh seems to be uh you know seems to be plugged in when it comes to sporting events even though it was multiple decades earlier Um, right well, it's it's interesting you you mentioned the the high school thing because what I like to tend to do for you know especially weddings or events that are catered around maybe it's a birthday party or something like that but is it's those middle school and high school years of a person's life are debatably the most trans more transformative for them you know they're the most impactful you know it's when they're going through puberty and, and going through these the first times for a lot of things and so what I like to do is look at the year that somebody graduated high school. And I look at those and I'm like, okay, well, I know X, Y, and Z songs were popular during this time, you know, and then I know X, Y, and Z songs were popular during their middle school years. And because those years are so impactful for their life, the music tends to be more impactful for them. So that's why at a lot of weddings, 
you'll tend to hear a lot of the music around that person. So, I mean, obviously you'll play a lot of oldies too, a lot of the classic rock and some new stuff, but to have a group full of songs catered around their high school experience tends to always hit a little bit harder because the memories are there, you know, the impactful times are there, the, you know, the time you snuck out of your parents' house and drove down to Perkins and got breakfast at 4.30 in the morning just because you had nothing better to do and your friends were like, let's do it. You know, what song was on the radio then? Or like, what were you listening to then? So I always like to dive a little bit deeper into that and into the music to kind of figure out what is going to be that trigger that's going to be like, oh man, do you remember when we did this? That's what this song reminds me of. And those are the moments that I truly love to help curate and make, you know, with a crowd and type of thing. So yeah and i obviously when it comes to you know movies right either either on your home screen or on the big screen obviously soundtracks are a huge part of delivering certain moments in the movie and and right. you know kind of what you were just saying is that you know for a particular wedding or an event that you may kind of like this event that you just did um regarding the skier or the snowboarder that died you you supplied them with a soundtrack um, maybe of that person's life and and definitely was able to present it for that uh for that event and that's i think again it'll associate you know certain memories will be will 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 click with that so um right so yeah i know the last time that we physically saw each other um you know you were in we were in iowa right outside iowa city for uh for zach clark's wedding and um and you and that was i know if i remember correctly that was in the midst of a pretty busy time period i mean we were wrapping it was september but you it was it was definitely a pretty busy time period still as far as weddings and uh and if you look over not that not that necessarily one wedding um, or one event was better than other, because um, I imagine each one of them are a little bit different. But when you think about last season and what you what you learned about yourself, and then what you learned about the business and how you deliver the you know deliver your product um, as far as the DJ, what what kind of stands out when you think about the twenty two uh, season? It's hard to really pinpoint one thing, but I mean, 22 was what felt like finally a normal year in the event space since kind of the COVID era. So it it felt like people were more comfortable to be around each other. Um, There was really no limitations or restrictions. So the from start to end, it just felt like the vibes around events were just like we're back and we're there and people were just excited to be around each other and and hang out. And I got to travel some really cool places across the country um, last season. So I'm just super thankful for that. And always getting to see new things and be around new people. Um, But I don't think there's any special event that sticks to, you know, I did get to DJ Zach Clark and Zach Tennyson's wedding, which is like my two of my best friends from high school that I've ever had. And to, to be a part of those moments and to share that with them and to create lifelong memories for the two of some of the people that I've known since I was, you know, in first grade was, was truly something special. And so like, you can't really put a price tag on that just because it's such a unique thing. And again, like you said, not to make say one event's better than the other, because each, each wedding has their own moments and each, each of 
those moments or all of those moments are just unique enough in a way that can't be replicated anywhere else at any other time in their life. You know, they like that, you know, ideally you're only getting married once. Right. Yeah, so yeah. we're creating these lifelong memories that will always be talked about that you'll tell your kids about that, you know, will continue to, to live on beyond your years and your life. So to be able to facilitate that in a way that, you know, I get those hugs at the end of the night that and, you know, these are the people that I get to see maybe once a year or even if that, you know, even, even people like you and some of my other close friends from from growing up. So I really try to try to savor those moments, even though I'm at work, quote unquote, at work. I really try to take a step back and just take a deep breath and really soak that all in and not take any of it for granted. Um, I, I did it last summer. I really felt I won't lie. I had a little bit of a burnout that happened kind of in the middle of the year, just because I was running on fumes, just constantly. I mean, you know, between markets, weddings, sporting events, uh, I got signed on by the the local um, professional baseball team here, so I'm doing a lot of weekday events with them. But it's just after a while, it just wears on you. It just it's tough, and it's mentally and physically just hard. So it, what I'm learning and what I did learn is just how can I prevent that from happening? Not that it affected my work performance really by any means, but just more or less my home life and my mental stability was, was struggling at a little bit of these times, which in the, in event space can be really tough. So looking forward to the next year is just trying to, to prevent those things from happening and putting time and specific things in place. So I can have those moments away from work and prioritize my mental and my physical health just to make sure that I can be on my game hundred percent of the time, all the time when I need to be. And then when I'm at home, I'm at home. I step away from work and, and it can be with, you know, my girlfriend and my dogs and, and, and spend the time and take a deep breath and enjoy, you know, the other parts of life. Then, I mean, cause I love my jobs. It's great. I love to be with people. I love to create these memories, but um, sometimes, you know, we all want to sit on the couch and watch some TV and just decompress. So. Yeah. Well, and I think I know from, from, from my own, uh, the work that I do regarding, I mean, the counseling is one piece of it. The running the business is another piece. But when it comes to uh, developing workshops and presenting workshops and presentations, um, it's, it's similar to yourself. There's two parts. There's the there's the development and the creation of it. Um, and that happens not when I'm on stage. And then there's the stage. And, and when it's live in front of people, now, similar to what you said in the past, it was almost entirely on Zoom because of the pandemic. And then I would say that was probably, you know, less than 10% in 2022. And so the majority of it was in person, which I definitely enjoy more. But then you have to deal with travel, set up. Um, there's, a, right. there's, a, there's a other elements that play to it. But being able to have time to um, create that, to develop that space, to create art, uh, to create something that's going to be an experience that, that, that takes, that takes some intention, at least for on my part, that takes some intention so I can go into that space because I may, I may hear what they say that they want me to do, but I try to go into a meditative prayer state of, what does the participant want that I haven't met yet to walk away with? Right. And right. so, you know, and so it's, it's, and, it, and for me to be able to go into that space, to be able to do that flow, I have to be able to uh, replenish myself and refuel in between uh, right. 
events or activities so that I can go into that space because I I haven't figured out how to say, all right, I'm going to create something today at 930 and uh, go. Right. <laughs> so that doesn't that ha I've yet to figure out how to do that. So um... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm right there with you, too. I mean, especially with the creative space with music and, you know, creating beardos and stuff. For me, it's I Di I am undiagnosed ADHD. I have like a very hard time sitting down and being like, okay, oh, right, right now I'm creating X, Y, and Z. So a lot of my good ideas just don't come to me when I'm sitting down at an office. So it's kind of like, for me, there's almost never an off button. And, you know, some of the things I'm thinking about, I'll come home after an event and like my brain is just firing on all cylinders. So I'll stay up for until three in the morning because like I'm in that zone. So I'm starting to learn, you know, how to actually maximize that while also not pushing myself too hard because i think that's what was happening just going too hard into this space where it's like you know especially in the dj world the way um the culture is is so great the community is awesome but there is this kind of like this constant grind that people kind of you almost feel like if you're not working this much or if you're not doing x y and z events if you're not spending this time doing you know prep work and all this stuff then like you're you're not not that you're not good enough, but like you're not at that tier. You're not at that top tier. So, which is great that there's that, you know, this constant push to be better and to continue to progress. But at the same time, you know, at what expense, you know, is my mental health and my physical health declining because I feel like I need to put more time or because I am putting too much time into music prep or too many events a year. And so that's kind of what 2022 kind of taught me is it showed me some of my limitations. It really, some of my limits were reached and I want to make sure that when those limits are reached, I know it and I can appreciate it, but I can also be able to take a step back and be like, you know, right now I need to take a break. I need to, I need to go on a walk. I need to just shut my mind off. I need to meditate. Um, and so for 2023, I'm really looking forward to changing some consistencies in my life with mental and physical um, practices that are going to hopefully put me in a better space to continue to, to push myself because I do want to obviously be better and grow my businesses, but also still provide a level of service that is unmatched, you know, that my my cheesy saying for 2023 that I've decided is setting a new standard. And that's a new standard for myself. So I want to set a new standard for what my DJing is like at events. I want to set a new standard for, you know, what the beard oil company and the experience that we provide with our products is. And then I also want to set a new standard for my um, physical performance in the gym, my workouts, and my mental health. You know, and then also it, it kind of caters also into my personal life with my significant other and my dogs and my friends. And it's not that the standard that I have have had in the past is low. It's just that I want this new standard to be to never dip below that. I don't want to get to a point where I burn out and then dip back below what I've set this new standard to be. So mm -hmm. trying to put in put practices in place to to make sure that I never dip below the level that I've set for myself to continue to, to grow and, and go from there. So, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting as you were just talking, you know, as, as you know, um, uh, because that was part of my role with, with, with you and the Zachs and Caleb, you know, growing up was, you know, I was your guys' strength coach and football coach. And so it's easy, right. To, to fall into the trap when it comes to physical, to keep, 
you know, raising the next bar and raising the next expectation. I think mentally we can do that easily with school too, and and keep rate, you know, work and school and learning and stuff like that. And, and, um, and I, and I, just as you were talking, I'm thinking, okay, what's been the counterbalance for me? Because I'm that person who can continue to try to outperform or out, you know, the drive piece of it. And, um, and I think for me, it's been the more the emotional spiritual side, um, because um, the spiritual piece is that you, you can't, it's, it's counterintuitive to try too hard on the spiritual end. It's, it's literally about letting go. And, and, and you, if you try too hard to let go, you're caught up in the trying part. And so it's, it's, it's like stretching, right? If you're, if you're trying too hard to, to do the stretch, then, then you are working against yourself. It's, it's that letting go piece of it. And that's more about that flow. And, um, and that for me is one of the, I can intellectually understand that, but that is something that I constantly have to be practicing. I agree. Especially for me too. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm in my office right now. My office is at home. So yeah. for me, it's re- sometimes it's very hard to to have that physical separation between work and home. So I was actually talking to a, um, a friend of mine who finally got an office. He's like, I, I now can finally be at home when I'm at home and be at work when I'm at work. So for me, sometimes that's what I'm struggling with is, you know, my I've got my turntables right here next to me. I've got over 2000 bottles of beard oil on my right here. So it's like I am never physically away from work but then again for me sometimes like i was saying before sometimes some of my best work and my most productive hours you know are between eight and midnight (laughs) so it's just kind of it's it's that tough balance but you know just trying to figure out and one of the things that i have actually been i was going to bring this up and chat with you about it but i've started to do um the cold plunging so i've been Um, doing um cold plunging every day for the last this is actually today is two weeks to the day that I've been doing it um, and focusing more on, you know, breathing exercises and taking, you know, 10, even if it's 10 minutes just to take, sit down and, you know, take some deep breaths. And I've noticed some, some pretty positive changes already that, that I'm pretty excited about to continue that journey um, and kind of focus on some of my mental, mental state, well-being at home, you know, and having that chance to actually sit down and relax and set work aside and be, and be present. So yeah, yeah, and yeah. What, uh, what? If, if just in a, you know, if you could, if, if you give us one thing, we'll first explain cold plunging for some of the people that may not know, and then if there was one thing that you learned about yourself from doing the cold plunge uh, in these, these these last two weeks, what what have you what have you learned about yourself? And then what? Uh, well, first, what is it? And then what um, what have you learned your, just in the last two weeks about yourself? Sure. So before I get into this, I am not a doctor. I am not prescribing any sort of cold plunge to anybody. Please understand that if you do choose to do this, it is very intense and that you should do proper research before you start. I always just want to say that. So cold plunging is essentially you're sitting down um, up to, I get up to about my shoulders in you know freezing cold water. So I've got a cold tub outside. The temperature ranges depending on the day between like 30 and 40 degrees. So it is quite cold. Yesterday I had to chisel the ice off the top to get into it. Um, and, you know, anywhere from two, the max I've done is 10 minutes. I don't know how long it'll take for me to get back to do that again because that was pretty intense. But essentially the idea behind cold plunging is that you're exposing your body to 
a severe amount of stress for a short period of time. And by doing this, there's so many great physical and mental benefits for it. So essentially what you're doing is by exposing yourself to these extreme stressful situations, in turn, you're going to reduce your stress because now your body is learning to deal with that stress. So a lot of the science behind it is saying, you know, a lot of it has to do with controlling your breathing in these moments. So um, Wim Hof, if you've never heard of him, I'm sure you have Kev, but mm-hmm. if anybody else said, look him up, he's called the ice man. This dude has set 26 world records from swimming under the water and freezing cold to hiking Mount Everest in shorts with no oxygen, just all sorts of crazy stuff. So it, he has started this movement to try and show how physically good it can be for you to put yourself through, um, like purposefully induced stress essentially is what it is instead of just dealing with a random stressful situation that your body just happens to be in. So um, it's great for your endocrine system. It's great for your, your blood flow. It's great for just so many different things. I mean, there's a rabbit hole of all that stuff we could talk about, but for me, um, what I've noticed is my sleep has improved immensely. Um, so about the same time that I started cold plunging, I started to take um, some some more vitamins. So I'm taking like magnesium on a daily basis, vitamin D on a daily basis, and now um, like a men's multivitamin. So that's what I take every morning when I wake up. And I've noticed like when I sleep, I don't wake up in the night. I actually sleep a full night through. I'm getting like a good seven to eight hours every night, which has been super awesome. Um, it's gotten easier (laughs) throughout the two weeks to get into this water, but it's never like a truly enjoyable experience. But for me, it's, it's kind of a mental game to push myself every time that I do it. But I've noticed my breathing control has gotten significantly better. And I've caught myself in a good way, just taking deeper breaths throughout the day, because the whole idea is, you know, I meditate for about 10 minutes before I get in. I do a breathing exercise that Wim Hof has kind of developed. So I do his 10 minutes of breathing and then I get in and then I hop out and I like decompress. So it's about a 20 to 30 minute ordeal all said and done. But the whole idea for me is to maintain my same heartbeat or heart rate throughout the whole process. So kind of maintaining that steady, low and controlled heart rate. Um, and by doing that, you can essentially control more of your body temperature um, regulates the blood in your body a little bit better. So you can actually handle these extreme cold temperatures. So I was actually talking to my girlfriend the other day. So it's nice because myself and all my roommates are doing this kind of together. So it's a lot easier to get in cold water when you're all doing it together. <laughs> so one of the things that I have noticed is now every time that I, I walk outside or I experience a, a quick rush of cold, not even just in the water, my initial thought is to take a deep breath. So I'll walk outside and it'll be really cold. Like this morning, I think it was 12 degrees. I walked outside and my first initial was just immediate deep breath. So that for me is really cool because I've seen it now kind of transfer more outside of just the feeling of being cold. But just in any situation that I feel a little bit stressed, I almost just take that initial moment. I take a deep breath and then I and then I continue. Which for me is awesome. So it's it's almost that moment of, of slight pause to calm myself before I have to then deal with the situation or whatever, you know, feeling I'm feeling at that time type of thing. So that's been one of the biggest things for me. And then obviously as a snowboarder, I'm sore pretty much all, all the time. So just from the physical toll that snowboarding and shoveling takes on your body. So just the physical benefits of muscle recovery has been super great. And I mean, I still love lifting weights. I try to be in the gym four to five days a week. So the muscle recovery and speeding that process up has been really cool to see. Um, My joints don't 
ache as much as they used to. Um, my knees feel a lot better. I was dealing with some knee pain for a while and, and things like that. So it's been cool to see both the mental and the physical sides of the benefits um, going through the cold plunging. My dad won't stop making fun of me for it because he's like, I'll never get in a cold pool, but <laughs> it's all part of the fun. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Well, you know, and it kind of what, you know, when I was referring to earlier about the spiritual component of it, not necessarily tied into a, a particular religious discipline, but more from a spiritual discipline of mindfulness, uh, the meditation that you refer to, the breathing, the being present, and that all starts with the breathing. And, um, and then how something takes on a bigger life of its own, as you said, as you've been doing this for these, as you've been exercising the cold plunge, it's, you've now seen it automatically transferred to other areas of your life. So that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, Brigham, as always, uh, you know, I love our conversations, uh, always, always have. And, and now, especially catching up with you regarding all the adventures that you're doing now, uh, looking forward, uh, to seeing you, uh, this coming October when you're, you're back in Rockford for us for, for Sierra's wedding. And, um, which is just like you said, in the note, uh, realizing that her 16th birthday, was one of your first official uh out of the the backyard of your own house uh yep. um, or the or the of your own parents home uh and and now uh being able to to come back to the same general area to to do her wedding so um if someone was looking to get a hold of you regarding the beard oils or or uh, just to, to hear more about what's the best way for them to get a hold of you um, social media is a great place to start. Um, so as far as like Instagram goes, Briggs Beard Co. Um, on Instagram and Facebook, and then BriggsBeardCo.com is going to be where you can find a full line of products. There's some great information on there as far as just like the full story of how we got started. On Instagram, we have a lot of tips and tricks videos on you know beard grooming and just kind of maintaining healthy skin and healthy hair. Um, as far as like DJing and a little bit more of my personal life, um, at underscore DJ Briggs or on Facebook, Facebook.com backslash DJ Briggs is going to be where a lot of my DJing and um, musical life um, centers around. But yeah, Facebook, Brigham Wyrock is, is going to be the long form on there. But yeah, don't don't hesitate to reach out. I love I love being able to share conversations with you and with somebody that has known me for longer than than most, which is cool because, you know, it's it's interesting to be in Montana and only being here four years. And a lot of my friendships and relationships have been four years or less here. But there's so many relationships that I've continued to to feel the flame and then the fire of from back home. And it's always great to catch up and and share where I'm at. And as as you mentioned, I can't wait to come back and, and make Sierra's wedding something special for you and your family and and all of our friends. It's going to be something cool. So I'm excited. Very cool. Well, well, Brigham, as always, uh, enjoy, enjoy our conversations and, um, and, and wish the best for you as all the new adventures that you're going to, you're going to be doing, um, out in Montana and all the other places that you get asked to go. So, um, as always, uh, just with this conversation, if something sparked your interest, um, if you thought that someone may benefit from uh, some of the uh, some aspects that of bringing my conversation today, please uh, comment or share that with someone because you never know um, where uh, something might be beneficial for someone else. As always, I appreciate you you listening and look forward to being with you next week. <music>